choose to be generous, there is a cost to it. You could be using that time or using that energy or using those resources for something else. But don't miss, there's a cost if you're not generous. I've never met someone who follows Jesus at the end of their days who said, I gave too much. I served too much. Like when you're on that last leg of life and you're about ready to step into eternity, I've never met someone who says, yeah, I prayed too much. When money is tight and you have to stick to a strict budget, you make sure that you know the cost of everything you do. Well, today, Pastor Daniel encourages you to count the cost of generosity as well. You'll discover that while giving of yourself has a price, coming to the end of our life with regrets is even more costly. Pastor Daniel urges you to be proactive now so that you won't reach the end of your days with so many if-onlys. Well, let's join Pastor Daniel in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 for his continuing study called The Need for Compassion. We need to be prepared. We need to know the time. We need to awaken out of slumber. And isn't that what the Spirit of God does in the life of the people of God? He wakes us up. All of a sudden, you didn't realize you were sleeping, but you're like, I've been sleeping on the job. I didn't know what I was missing out on. I just got into this groove, and I wasn't sure how to change anything, so I just go, and all of a sudden, your eyes get open, and you're like, whoa, are you sleeping today? Spiritually, are you disengaged? For many of us, we are. So be prepared for it. You know, I'm not patting myself on the back. You all know I'm just learning how to follow Jesus just like everyone else. But Lynn and I have been talking about what does generosity look like in the next calendar year? Because we have to do this every single year. We have to re-up on things that we've been doing. We have to say, what is the next step? We were talking about how it relates to our kids and what goes on. And so it's one of those things that in my home right now, as we're entering a new year, it's like, what's the next step in generosity for us as a family? What does it look like for us? Because that's the way, obviously, as a husband with a bride and kids, one of the ways I prepare is we talk about it. We decide, what can we do differently? How can we do this thing? So part of the preparation is making the plans Something that's going on, literally, it's been going on in my house the last two weeks, Lynn and I have been talking about it and praying about it. Lord, what would you have us do? And how would you have us live? And how do we teach our children generosity? What does that look like? How do we include them in this process? So it's an important thing, but you need to prepare for it. Now, at the end of verse 5 and moving on into verse 6 and 7, it says something amazing because he says that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging 
obligation. And then in verse 6 it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what does this teach us? That you and I need to sow bountifully and cheerfully. We need to sow bountifully and cheerfully. So there's these two types of sowing. Now, the idea of sowing is an agricultural term. You got to remember that in this day and age, it was before the Industrial Revolution. It was before computers and everything. And so people would put seed in the ground, and then they would harvest the ground, and then it would raise on up. Now, all things being the same, the size of your harvest is going to be equal to the amount of seed you put in the ground. So the idea is that if you just put a little seed in the ground, you're going to get a little harvest. You put a lot of seed in the ground, you're going to get a lot of harvest. And so this principle of sowing and reaping for the church in Corinth and for you and I becomes very, very important. It says, look, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. It's a natural example of something that we don't think too much about. Now, what's amazing is, is here it's used for generosity, but elsewhere in the Bible, the same picture is used for the works of the flesh or the works of the spirit. Like, if you invest in living a life of rebellion against God, you're going to reap corruption is the harvest. And if you invest into living life spiritually in Christ, then of the spirit, you will reap everlasting life. So the same principle of your spiritual lives is the same principle with living generously. So the exhortation is that we need to sow, we need to make it bountiful investments, not meager investments, but significant investments. And why? Because whatever you put in, what? You get out. And we all know that to be true. So you got to ask yourself, what is your investment in God's kingdom look like? Would it be considered sparing or bountiful? Your investment of time, your talents, your treasures. What would it be? Now, whatever you put in, that's what you're going to get out. It's true like with your marriage, right? If you're married... Whatever you put into your marriage is what you're going to get out. You sow a bunch of junk into your marriage, you're going to have a junky marriage, right? Whatever you put into your body and food-wise, whatever you put in, that's what ends up. If you don't believe me, just go watch Supersize Me on Netflix, right? The dude went on a 30-day eat McDonald's experiment, and he went visited doctors, and like two weeks into it, he's going into liver failure. Gained a ton of weight, because whatever you put in is what you get. And the same is true for the things of God's kingdom, and it's also true of the witness of the church in the world. Do you know what one of the biggest problems the church has today? The church has gotten ingrown, rather than seeing the church as a vehicle for God's grace in the world. Like, it's amazing. You watch, there's churches, churches that get started, and they're all people from another church. Because all they can do is reach church people instead of reaching the community around them. And it's totally tragic. Because the church exists for the glory of God and the blessing of humanity. And what happens is, is when the church gets insulated and ingrown, it becomes deformed. 
Do you realize that as a follower of Jesus, you declare who Jesus is to the world? Are you making an investment in our community? Not just the Crossroads community, but out into the world. See, the church is designed to be salt and light in the world. To bring out the God seasonings of the world. To bring light into the darkness of the world. And so often churches are focused inward. Because we're sowing sparingly into our communities. But not only does God want us to sow bountifully, he wants us to sow cheerfully. Notice what it says at the end of verse 5. It says, and this is important, it says that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And then it says in verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then you might say, well, I'm not cheerful in my giving. I ask the Lord that many times, like, Lord, why aren't I cheerful in my generosity? He'll say, well, because you're selfish. He'll say, because you really want to use it on you instead of giving it to help other people. See, what I want to encourage you, if you're not a cheerful giver, I want you to take the step of faith and ask God to bring your heart around. Because what's amazing is, is the reason you're not cheerful in your generosity is because you're not cheerful in investing it all in yourself anyway. So by taking the step of faith and investing it, God will change your heart in the process. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and really, the Apostle Paul is quoting him. It says, The words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's the words of Jesus. You are more blessed to give than receive. And so this whole idea of learning the art of living, the idea of being content and being joyful and experiencing God's grace actually is a life that isn't consumed with ourselves, but it's pushing it out into the world because you're more blessed to give than you are to receive. So you and I need to sow bountifully and cheerfully. Now I'm here to tell you, this will be a defining mark of the church of Jesus Christ in a world that doesn't know how to be generous and definitely isn't cheerful in its generosity. I love when someone says to me, oh, you know, I just wish the world, you know, religion is bad for people. You know, it just ruins the world. I'm like, tell me this. Name me one hospital that was built by an atheist. Show me one relief organization that was built by whatever group of people. Every single one is built by people of faith because their God says you need to be different in the world. So you don't want any Christians here. 97% of the hospitals will shut down except for the new ones that have been built by mega conglomerates because they realize there's a lot of money in healthcare. But before it became part of capitalistic America, every single one of them had a church name on it. Why? Because the people of God are are designed to be a blessing in the world. You look at every organization. Show me one atheist organization that is helping the people who are the most vulnerable. You know why you won't find it? Because if you're an atheist, then you believe in the survival of the fittest. And guess what? When weak people oppress less weak people, that's just life. 
That's Darwinian evolution lived out. So when you look at a group of people who not just here and there, but live a life of overarching generosity, overarching service, that is completely different in the world. And they do it with joy. They want to be involved because they are learning the art of living. And Jesus is saying, every time you give and you're like, Lord, and don't get me wrong, I realize that when you give, it costs you. Every time you choose to be generous, there is a cost to it. You could be using that time or using that energy or using those resources for something else. But don't miss, there's a cost if you're not generous. I've never met someone who follows Jesus at the end of their days who said, I gave too much. I served too much. Like when you're on that last leg of life and you're about ready to step into eternity, I've never met someone who says, yeah, I prayed too much. I was too generous with my finances. I was too generous with my time. I should have, I should have taken more time and like really dialed down my fantasy football league. Nobody ever says that, ever. Why? Because at the end of your days, most people say, I should have done, I could have done more. I wish I had done more. Because when push comes to shove and this life is about ready to draw to a close, all the things that are really important pop up to the surface. Nobody ever said, I love too much in this life. Nobody ever says that. So if nobody ever says that at the end of life, then we need to go back and say, we need to live in such a way that we are generous with bountiful generosity, with joy in our hearts as we do it. You want some ideas to live more generously? I want to give you some basic, like baselines. Write these down. You need to plan to simplify your life. And guess what? You want to do that anyway. Simplify it. One of the things that I've found is that in a culture like ours, all the toys also is the biggest time waster we have. It's not that the toys are bad, but they end up with the toys comes, it's going to cost this much time for this, and this much time for this, and this much time for this, and this much time for this. Will you make a plan to simplify your life so that you can be more generous? In simplifying your life, you might want to look at what's my biggest money wasters? Is it worth it? So simplify your life. Second, you have to be proactive rather than being reactive. For many of us, it's the single greatest struggle that we have is that we are reacting to everything that happens and not being proactive with this is the life that God has called me to lead. We just react to everything that happens to us. And before we know it, you're like, how did I get here? Because you allowed the details of your life to define what your life looks like rather than saying, this is the life God wants me to have. I meet people all the time. They say, I don't know how I got here. I'm like, I can tell you how you got there. The way we all get there. You are not being proactive to live the life God wants you to lead. You're reacting to everything that happens. And when you read your Bible, Jesus was never reacting. He was proactive doing the things that God has placed in front of him, although he was engaged in the situations that happened. People would come, they'd say something like, hey, my time has not yet come. Hey, you got to go and see Lazarus. No, no, no. I got to do this. I'll get to Lazarus. God's got a plan there. See, he was proactive with his life, and he wants to make us as well. You want to be generous? Start small. This is the biggest thing, right? You go to change something in your life, and it's so big. How do I do it? You're like, man, I just need to lose 70 pounds. Who can lose 70 pounds? Well, start with losing two pounds. And you string enough losing two pounds together, 
you'll get to 70 pounds. So you have to start somewhere. Teresa Calcutta said, you want to feed 100 people who are starving? Start with just one. You got to start small. In a lot of ways, when people say, Pastor Daniel, I really want to be generous with my finances. How do I start? And I say, man, just start with a percentage. Pick a percentage. Say, I'm going to give 2%. I'm going to give 5%. I'm going to give 10%. I'm going to give 12 Now, some say, oh, well, there it is. Crossroads believe in tithing. No, we don't. Tithing is under the law. We believe in God's grace and responding to God's grace. I'll be honest with you. When it comes to financial generosity, I wish we were under the law. You give God his 10%, his tithe. You give him 1% an offering, and you're done. But when it's based on grace, you say, Lord, all this is yours. What do we do with it? And if the Lord says, I want all of it, then what do you do? Then you live rebelliously or you give all of it. It's not about tithing. It's about living a life of generosity. And God knows that he is generous and he wants to make us generous and he needs to help us along. So start with, if you don't give anything, one cent, start with a percentage. Say, I'm going to start with 2%. And I'm going to see what God does. Like, I'm never going to be able to afford it. You're never going to learn that God is faithful until you take the step of faith. Yeah, many of us can tell you that testimony. I started tithing. I was just out of college. You know what people who live just out of college live on? They live on nothing. I used to go play a gig for 50 bucks. Three hours. So that equates to about 16 bucks an hour playing my bass. I go take five bucks and I stick it in the offering. And that hurt, man. That's like four rolls of toilet paper. That's some big money when you're 21 years old, living on your own. You got to pay your car insurance. You got to pay your rent. You, gotta, you know, but you get, what you realize is that I've never been without TP. And every once in a while, you learn that you can use certain things for TP that you wouldn't have known. But God's in the process of that. See, start with a percent. Just start small. Start small. For some of you, you already had a small percentage. Go bigger. Take the next step. Because what you find all along the way is that God meets us in our obedience and changes our life in the midst of it. Because you start saying, look, Lord, I want to be generous. And then you start rethinking how you spend your money on yourself. You're like, well, I really don't need to do that. I mean, it would be fun, but I've always done that. And it doesn't really fulfill, so I'm going to do it differently. And all of a sudden, everything starts to change because you're placing God's heart of generosity first. Here's a great principle. You need to give first, not last. That's what most of us do, right? You say, I'm going to pay all my bills. I will give whatever's left to the Lord. You know what happens when you do that? There's never anything left. But you know what's amazing? For the people who give first, there's never anything left in the end anyway. But at least you know you gave outside of yourself to the work of the Lord instead of taking care of yourself first. That's the principle of doing the first fruits. When you plan out your week and your calendar, block off time to serve the Lord first. Because if not, PTA meetings and this thing and this thing, not bad things, and your racquetball club and your book club and your Marjan team and this thing, all great, but not necessarily serving the kingdom. Because if you didn't like playing Marjan, you wouldn't be on a Marjan team. You know what I'm saying? So you got to place that primary and let everything else fill in behind it. Here's a great thing. Invest in your passions. See, each one of us has passions for different things. And we need to make the investment where there is already passion. 
For some of you, it's like, I just want to help guys who are trying to get their lives back together after a train wreck. Then make that investment there. You're like, I just really care about children. Make the investment there. You say, look, really what gets me going is, you know, how do we alleviate global child poverty? Then make your investment there. Start with the things that you're already passionate about that are part of God's kingdom. Make the time and the service investment right there. And then finally, you should consider your legacy. This is a big one. Consider your legacy. Consider how you want to be remembered and then design your life based on that. Say, I want when my days are over, if I was a fly on the wall in my own eulogy, what do I want people to say about me? And then design your life so that you're living that so that people actually say that about you. Take the end and then take the end that you want, the outcome, and then design your life from that. I left out the very last verse here for a reason, because I wanted to close not only this message, but this series with this verse, because this is the art of living in one sentence. It says, and God, verse 8, is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Brothers and sisters, we need to be an extension of God's generosity. That's the art of living. You and I being an extension of God And in this case, of God's generosity. See, it's amazing. Paul's talking to the church in Corinth about giving. And then he says, listen, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. See, this is a powerful reality. When we give, then we tap into God's abundance, and sufficiency in all things. And that is the upside-down reality of the people of God, is that when we, you say, when I give, I, it's a minus in my column, but it's like, no, no. But when you put a minus in your column, God fills it in with his exceeding abundance. And that, my friends, is something that no one will ever learn unless you come to know Jesus, unless you follow Jesus. You realize that you can't outgive God because God's the most generous person who ever lived. And so every time you give, God's like, oh, yeah, this is good. My child gets the fact that I got this thing. So they can give, and you're like, Lord, you know I just gave away this thing, and I kind of need something now. And the Lord's just like, oh, yeah, no problem. There's nothing. Because in our generosity, we link up hands with God in his generosity. Now, this isn't some sort of like, well, I'm going to give more so I can get more. No, no, no. You give more because you can, and you trust God with how it works. But when you and I realize that the art of living is about us becoming the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, everything changes. Because it's not ever filtered through, this is what I want. It's always filtered through, this is what God wants. And I just want to be a part. I want to play a bit part. Jesus is 
Pastor Daniel has much more to share from this series called The Art of Living. But we're going to stop here for today. There's something exciting I get to tell you about today. Pastor Daniel is releasing a brand new book, Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. It's a must read for anyone who wants to find lasting joy. Pastor Daniel's actually going to tell you all about it right now. Thanks, Josh. Have you ever asked God why life is so hard? Why it's so difficult to find lasting joy? I know I have. And I get asked all the time, Pastor Daniel, what's the secret to true happiness? That's why I wrote Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. In this new book, you will find all kinds of keys to deep and long-lasting happiness and how to find the beautiful life God designed you for. So pick up a copy today. I know you'll be blessed. Here's Josh to tell you where to find it. I know I can't wait to read this. If you're excited too, go ahead and pre-order your copy of Crazy Happy today. It's available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and ChristianBook.com and many other places. Check out DanielFusco.com to get a list and to see the special offers that are available for people who pre-order today. Crazy Happy is releasing February 16th, but you can pre-order now. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called The Art of Living next time. Until then, may God bless. Bless.